Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to Shared History. When you're here, you're history. That's right. Shared History is the podcast where we eat lots of breadsticks and... Uh, Drink bad wine and tell you about history that you probably didn't cover in class. Yes, we drink a smooth Chianti and share with each other things we wish we learned. I'm one of your hosts, Cass Maher. Oh, and I'm the other one, you know, <laughs> Natalie Younger. Don't you know? And on the ones and twos <laughs> and the fact-checking occasionally <laughs> is Rip Gamalucci. What up, what up, what up, what up? Beat dropping, fact-checking. Yep, 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 yep. Look out beats later on in this episode. <laughs> Um, as a previous reminder, beats are facts. <laughs> beats are things that Cass and I can't remember while we're delivering our little shared bits of history. Rip has the handy-dandy internets pulled up. And we just have each other's <laughs> undivided attention. Sometimes distracted. <laughs> Sometimes. Natalie, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, man. For this week's episode, uh, we gave ourselves the umbrella topic of science. <laughs> a very, very small umbrella. Yes, that both of us... It was a slippery slope. It was a V-slippery slope. Ugh, I just said V. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I procrastinated and put it off because science is not really my thing. And all of my animals at home are named after scientists. Uh, do the list. Give yeah. us your, your, your animals' names. I have an Italian greyhound named Niels Heinrich David Bohr. But, I, but you call him Bohr. We call him Bohr. Uh, but the, he, his full name on his vet, on his vet <laughs> shit is Niels Heinrich David Bohr. Uh, we have a black kitty cat whose name is Lil Charlie Darwin. We have a gray kitty cat named Sir Isaac Newton. And then, last but certainly not least, as she is the name named for the topic that I have chosen for today, we have a little white kitty cat named Marie Curie. Ah, uh, Marie Curie. Should we start with Marie? Yes. Tell me a little bit about Marie Curie. Oh, well, born Maria Salomea Sklodowska? I believe that is the pr- correct pronunciation where I you go up at the end. Yeah. Sklodowska? Very, very thick accent. Maria Salomea Sklodowska. That sounds, sounds actually a lot better. better. <laughs> uh, born in Warsaw in the Kingdom of Poland, because it was 1867 and Russia was like... Monarchical. Yeah. Russia was like, this is ours and now it's a monarchy. <laughs> um, she was the fifth and youngest child of two teachers. Gonna do the accent again. You have <laughs> to now. The deeply offensive <laughs> accent. Bronislava and... Uh, Vladislaw Sklodowski. There wasn't an accent there. You're good. (laughs) Uh, Her father, uh, Vladislaw, taught mathematics and physics, and her mom operated a prestigious boarding school. Ooh. Uh, Because Russian monarchies are nonsense, uh, her... (laughs) Going to make a lot of enemies. (laughs) Uh, There already are enemies. uh, Her family lost... uh, Had, like, lost all of their like properties and fortunes like both sides like m- m- both her maternal side and her paternal side uh, just for being part of a Polish national uprising aimed at restoring Poland's independence casual um, so they both lost pretty much everything although some sources said that it was because her dad made a bad investment and to those sources I was like that sounds like nonsense that was like written by 
Russian a bad investment in like, hey, we're gonna go on the uprising. Yeah, it's a it's bad, a bad investment, investment to the Russians. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad investment politically, I suppose. Uh, you would think that as a, a daughter of teachers, that she would get all of the schooling. Did she? She did not, <laughs> because she was a she. Uh, she attended a boarding school that she was allowed to actually go to until she was 10. Which were more like finishing schools for girls. Yeah, I think so. Or it was like more like basically elementary school. So it's kind of like everyone could go yeah. to that. Um, she graduated with a gold medal. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm deeply disappointed in my own education. Screw A's and B's. I want a gold medal. Yeah. Uh, hey, Cass, if you get all gold this year, we'll take you to Disney World. <laughs> yes, and then the Olympics. <laughs> and then the Olympics, because you're a child prodigy. Um, oh, no, my notes. If you were at the Olympics, what would your event be? Oh. Swimming? If it was swimming, I would be competing in drowning, I feel like. Why did I think you were a swimmer? Uh, because I'm long. <laughs> you're very long. It's <laughs> the best way to describe my yeah, body type. yeah. Uh, we had to we had a show last night, and uh, you said I didn't have the right shoes, so I had to wear heels. And you were exactly a foot taller yep, than one yep. of the other I was, women in the show. I was really sad I didn't do more scenes with her. A full twelve inches. A full twelve inches. Title of my sex tape. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Marie Curie. So, Maria goes for gold. Uh, <laughs> Title then, of her sex tape. Yeah, and then she, so then she wants you know more of those gold medals. She wants to be the greatest of all time. Uh, so she tries to enroll in, you know, pretty much anywhere in higher education. Uh, I like that it's considered higher education. She's ten, but it's she just enroll in higher education. But of course she couldn't she couldn't learn anymore because she was a woman, uh, and so she started studying at. The Flying University, God. a clandestine <gasps> Polish patriotic institution that admitted women students. I don't know if this is true, but it seems like it wasn't necessarily Poland being like, you can't learn as much as it was like the, like the Russian occupancy. occupancy. <laughs> you want to try that again? <laughs> the no. Russians. The, yeah, like it was a mon. I don't know. Because it was a political thing. But because it was they make a point of saying that this clandestine university was like run by like the like Polish like nationalists. Got it. Um but yeah, they admitted women students to their super secret Dude. underground I don't know if it was underground. What's- she studied at the Flying University with her sister, Bronislava, uh Naming who then peaced out and went to Paris. As her older sister, she went to Paris first to go study medicine. And they had like this agreement that uh, Marie would send, like Marie would help her out financially while she was in Paris, on with the understanding that then, like two years later or so, when Marie went to Paris, her sister would be more established and be able to help Marie out financially when she got there. And I was like, sisters watching out for sisters. I sisters love it. doing it for yeah. themselves sister, and sister. each other. Yes. Um, so. Uh, Marie worked as a governess to support her sister and to save up to get herself to Paris. Uh, While she was still in Poland, she fell in love with the son of the family she was governessing for. Was this when Pierre Curie enters? No, because that's a French name and we're not in France yet. (laughs) She, this is, and I'm going to just butcher this one, Kazimierz Zorowski a future eminent mathematician because brains recognize brains. And 
but everyone opposed the relationship. They were forbidden to get married. So Marie was like, "Why was that?" Because she was a governess. No, I think it's because he had like he had no prospects. Like they didn't know oh, he was going to be yeah. this like big time mathematician. Also, Got does it. like math pay the bills? I don't know. Apparently, I feel like like well, I mean, granted, history books we have to learn about the people that were good at math and stuff. But everyone's like, "I was a mathematician," and it was yeah. I don't They're know. Like I hot like there was a stuff. lot of yeah. rock star mathematician. <laughs> Me and Einstein do yeah. it. Stuff. Look at my algebra. <laughs> was really good at math. <laughs> the guys. leather jacket and a cigarette. Yeah. Like, uh, has all of like the uh, formulas written, like tattooed on their arm, like a sixth sleeve of their <laughs> geometry they're, formulas. They're like the gang from Greece, but instead of cars, <laughs> it's math. Yeah. I'm writing that musical. We're not the T-Birds, we're the T-Squares. <laughs> um, copyright, I'm writing that musical. <laughs> I will help you. I will 100% help you. Oh my god. Uh, so, so they're not allowed to get married because uh, nobody likes his mathematic prospects. Um, Marie buries herself in her self-education and work, finishes raising debt monies, and is finally able to join her sister in Paris in 1891. Good year. Yeah, it's solid year. Uh, she enrolled in the University of Paris studying physics, chemistry, and mathematics uh, because Paris let women enroll uh, and continued to tutor on evenings and, uh, you know, live in that hashtag student life of whatever the equivalent of Parisian ramen was in 1890. <laughs> uh, uh, basically barely eating anything. And uh, I think we've all been here wearing everything you own in order to stay warm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just makes me think of that Friends episode, though. You took my underwear. I'm wearing everything you own. Gestures broadly. Yes. Uh, so, so now she's in Paris. Um, she earns her first degree in 1893 in physics. And Wait, I, she didn't marry Stanislav? No, no, because she was like, sorry, these numbers don't add up. <laughs> she peaced out to Paris. Oh, so that was just like, that was just like That was her love. first love, yes. Got it. Um, Although I read a thing that was that said because they eventually uh, there's a statue to her of her likeness in Warsaw now, and there I read a thing that said that uh, that people close to to Zorowski know that he used to like go by that square and like think fondly and miss her after. And that's like, why the they statue. put it up just to temp, just to torment him. <laughs> or wait, or was the statue built and he would just like slowly like yeah, brush like, hair like, Picture like that. an old man. Think of, if you ever watched the animated movie Balto? <laughs> Think of the old lady no. in Balto who would go to the Balto statue in Central Park, spoiler alert, and, uh, and reminisce <laughs> about the impact Balto had on her life. Which, Which ironically enough, Mary Carey had a huge influence on Balto's life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, it all connects. Uh, so her first degree was in physics, and then her second, I think, was in chemistry. She got it like a year later. Um, my timeline's real good, guys. Um, so she starts her official scientific career with an investigation of the magnetic properties of various steels, um, but that's like not why we're here. So, uh, <laughs> and she was, but she was introduced to enter Pierre Curie because yeah. a Polish physicist friend of both of them learned that Marie was looking for a larger laboratory space and thought that Pierre had access to one but he actually didn't but he helped her find one anyway I love that that's his move like <laughs> yeah oh you uh you looking for a lab yeah you need some lab space 
Uh, because I'm so, I've been known for my large laboratory <laughs> title of his sex tape. Yeah. Um, they eventually fell in love because, again, brain recognizes brain and, you know, science. Um, and Pierre proposed and was turned down initially oh. because Marie was like so homesick all the time and mm-hmm. had always planned on going back to Poland. Right. Um, and Pierre apparently declared that he would go with her back to Poland. Yeah. Even if it meant that he would be reduced to teaching French. Swoon. Uh, I wrote that in my notes. My notes say swoon. He's not about, <laughs> Poland's not about that French life. It's math mm-hmm. or nothing. Yeah. Uh, but so then she goes back. She does like, it's like grass is always greener. She goes back to Poland for like a summer break. And while she's there, it's like, you know what? I would love to stay here even though there's this proposal I left lingering in the Parisian air. And so, so she... So romantic. Mm-hmm, uh, and she tries to enroll or teach or something at a school in Poland again, and they're still like, nah, you still a lady. <laughs> uh, so Pierre eventually convinces her to return. By the way, she has like two degrees at this point. Casual. And Poland is like, nah, you're still not good enough for our schools. Um, so Pierre convinces her to return to Paris to pursue a PhD and also him. Uh, and they were married. Bad lab space. They were married in 1895. They're honestly such a cute couple that I could just write about that. I literally have in front of me a book that is called Radioactive Marie and Pierre Curie, a tale of love and fallout. Um, Rip is going Woo! to, in post, Rip is going to add radioactive, radioactive. <laughs> no, we don't have the budget for that. Oh, darn it. Please, please don't sing more of it. <laughs> darn it. Uh, it's that's a, hot. That's hot. Uh, uh, it's a great book. Uh, my, the, the, what, my best friend who was our officiant at our wedding. Uh, Read from it? No, she, she did quote like, a, like letters from Pierre and Marie Curie in, in the ceremony, and I bawled my eyes out you're like a huge fan i just like science also like my friend it was a really cute their love story is just super cute and they were so cute and my friend was just spot on and you know has met my cat and uh uh so she got she sent us out as our like first anniversary gift because the first anniversary is paper so for my first wedding anniversary she she sent that um and it's it's just dope sidebar listeners so the way we pick our topics is um we pick our own and then we tell dj rip so that we don't know each other's topics and that if we happen to pick the same one yeah rip can be like no you don't get to yeah it's, um, it's a dibs based system so after our last episode uh we were like umbrella science whatever and Natalie immediately was like, I already got mine. I already got mine. And <laughs> like, I texted Rip and Cass immediately guessed what it was before we had left the room. She I was mean, like, what was... are you doing? Marie Curie. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, she has a tattoo of Marie Curie on her arm. So, I mean, I would. Uh, Straight up just flipping through this book. It is fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. They use, they use the, the font of it, I think, is like an amalgamation of both of their handwriting. Oh, Stop. my God. Love letters. Stop it. So there's pages that like glow in the dark. There's like parts of it that then it's based on there's like gorgeous, science like, that she discovered. Beginning. Yeah, like the art throughout the entire thing is, yeah. is, is it's, phenomenal. It's gorge. So they're super cute and, and like they went on like bike trips together and, <laughs> and did science together. What's not to love? Um, and I am just now getting to what Marie is actually known for. She's got a lot of prep she needs. Uh, well, this is problematic. Okay, back to science. Uh, two important <clears throat> discoveries led to Curie studying uranium rays. Uh, the first was the discovery of X-rays. The second was the discovery that uranium salts emit uh, 
emitted a radiation like all their own without an external energy source. Um, Marie was like, I'm intrigued, and uh, uh, started experimenting with an electrometer and found that the uranium rays caused the air around a sample of uranium to conduct energy, and that the activity of the uranium depended on not depended on the quantity of uranium present. Uh, that's, which, which means, which meant that the radiation came from the atom itself uh, and not an interaction of of molecules, which is what was previously assumed. So she discovered the source of it. Yeah, she was like, these these are in it of themselves radioactive. Yeah, um, and uh, which then affects how they use it and yeah. harness it and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, and it was like, I think like, like the first element that they discovered that like emitted these rays because radiation wasn't even a word yet. Hmm. Um, in 1897, she and Pierre had their first daughter, Irene, but this isn't about them. Um, they didn't have a proper laboratory despite the fact that he tried to help her find a lab. <laughs> That's how it started. Uh, Get they on wor- that. They worked out of a converted shed next to the School of Physics and Chemistry it was poorly ventilated and not even waterproof, and nobody knew the risk of unprotected work with radioactive substances. She would literally carry test tubes containing radioactive isotropes, like just in her like lab coat pocket. Always uh, practice. Safe she would science, store them. You know? <laughs> she would. Carol didn't wear safety glasses. Now she doesn't need them. Uh, she would like store like radioactive materials like in her desk drawer, and she just enjoyed the faint light they gave off in the dark. I told Cass yesterday the amount of content that I like and research that I have is bonkers when you consider that this woman was just walking like she lived such a long, full, like eventful life, considering the fact that she just was carrying toxic poison like on her person at all times. Well, and and we, I mean, we all learn about uh, Mary Curie in school but she's like uh this was this cool chick who developed radiation back to this yeah and all i mean i knew about mary curie marie mary Marie? i always say marie marie curie uh is that she discovered radiation in the source and that she died of radiation poisoning and it always made it seem like it was it was real fast. it was real fast it was cut short she was this brilliant scientist and then it was over like no she just she lived a, like a pretty damn long time like what year did i say? she was born in in 1867 i think she lives to like 1922 which is like no 1934 um, we've established that we don't have a gold medal in mathematics <laughs> yeah. uh, she kept working with uranium minerals uh, she discovered that one mineral had like these two minerals had more of an effect on the conductivity of air than pure uranium does blah 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 um and so she hypothesized that there was an unknown chemical element that had to be in these minerals that was more radioactive than uranium so she started searching for one at this point pierre's like doing his own research is like you know what that's dope i'm gonna work with you and drops his own shit. I think he was working with crystals, uh, which I like to think <laughs> is he's a crystal healer. <laughs> um, and, and so he drops his own research to join hers. Um, so she's like confident that there's like these other radioactive elements that they don't know about that have to be in these uranium mineral samples she's working with. So they grind a bunch of them up, and uh, and they eventually discover a new. Uh, their first new element they discovered they named polonium for Poland. Um, though she's still not allowed to study there. Uh, and then that same year, they discovered a new element, which they named radium. They also coined the word radioactivity. So that like wasn't a word until now. Um, so this was 1898. 
they, to further prove their study, she spent a lot of time trying to isolate the polonium and the radium into a pure form or like into a metal. Like the molly of... Yeah, yes. <laughs> gotta get it. Gotta get it pure. Um, this was basically impossible because of science. I didn't completely understand. Uh, yeah, let's just gloss over. That. Yeah. She does eventually isolate pure radium chloride and pure radium uh, metal, but never succeeded in isol- isolating polonium. It was too crafty. Um, <laughs> Trixie Hobbits. Uh huh. Uh, they between 1898 and 1902 they published jointly or separately 32 scientific papers um, inclu- Wait, in just like a couple of years uh, I mean eight, yeah that's like that's four years the 32 scientific papers including one that announced when exposed to radium diseased tumor forming cells were destroyed faster than healthy cells wonder so, how they figured that one out well <laughs> but, but well, they, they didn't know about radiation causing tumors um, just making them worse yeah just well no no they made them smaller like it's oh. like radiation treatment that they still do for for cancerous cells um uh she became like the first woman faculty member at a whole bunch of places uh she they were she and pierre were invited to speak at the royal institute in london but by they i mean pierre because oh marie is a woman was not allowed to right, speak. right, right. Yeah, yeah um and then in 1903, the, Swede- the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences awarded both Curies and this other dude who made one of the discoveries that like, led to their discovery um, with a Nobel Prize in physics. But of course, the committee had only intended to give the award to Pierre until another committee member and advocate for women scientists alerted Pierre. And Pierre was like, oh, hell no, it both of us or it none of us. Uh, but, and they, got, but they gave it to both. Yeah, they got they got her added you to know, the nomination. I'm a fan of Pierre. Yeah, Pierre, pretty dope. Hashtag ally. Yeah. Um, she was the first woman to be awarded a Nobel Prize. At this point, they still don't have a proper laboratory. Pierre's sleeping <laughs> on that lab hunt. In 1904, they have a second daughter, Eve, but this isn't about her. Uh, and then... I'm sorry that you just fell in love with Pierre because in 1906, Pierre Curie was killed in a road accident. He was hit by a, a cart. Uh, it was a horse-drawn vehicle, and, and he got crushed underneath its wheels. Uh, okay, so I know like horses are fast, but that just makes me think of that scene in Austin Powers where, he's, where the steamroller's coming at him so, so slowly. slowly. Yep. Like, Stop! Yep. Uh, yep, he fell under its wheels and crushed that big old brain of his. Uh, and But in his absence, just... <laughs> his big old heart <laughs> and Marie's big old heart was broken uh, but she was offered his position he was uh, a professor and I think the chair of the physics department at the University of Paris and after he tragically died they were like yo Marie you also can do this and then we don't have to change the name placard on the door so you, you we want- will admit women if it if it cuts costs yeah. for us what we'll do is the as the head of the department so she was the first woman to become a professor at the University of Paris let alone the department chair wow um she headed the radium institute now the curie institute uh it's a radioactivity laboratory she uh, got her lab. She, I feel like she kind of almost still doesn't have her lab at this point. <laughs> her private lab is yeah. She has an institute, in but she's still working out of a shed and carrying radioactive isotropes in her pockets. Uh, I mean, let me look for a pen. What's yeah, oh, just, that's a just vial like tucked in her bra. Uh, despite her fame as a scientist working for France, she was vilified by the right wing press as a foreigner and an atheist, partially because she had an affair. Uh, 
with uh, with physicist Paul Langevin, a <gasps> former student of Pierre, who was married but estranged from his wife. Wait, wait, wait. So this was post Pierre. This is post Pierre. Yeah, this is. Uh, Pierre died in 1906. This is 1910. They had a year-long affaire. Ooh, um, Marie. That is also in this book and is also very, very pretty cute. Um, but uh, when it came out, her academic opponents made it a big old scandal. They called her a foreign Jewish homewrecker, which is, I don't know where they, where they just decided that she was Jewish because she was not. She was agnostic uh, and raised Catholic. But uh, uh, yeah, so they like, called her names, mobbed her house. Uh, she and her daughters had to go like lay low to friends. Oh, my God. Uh, but points to the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences. They had no time for this scandal. And they, despite all of this, gave her her second Nobel Prize, this time in chemistry. Solo? Yeah. This, she was the first person to win or share two Nobel Prizes and remains alone with Linus uh, Pauling as Nobel laureates in two different fields. Like She's like the only person who has two in two different fields other than this other guy. And she was the first person to ever get a second Nobel Prize. And she would have gotten two solo ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pierre helped. Oh, Pierre did help, yeah. Uh, he found her the shed. He, he, yeah, he found the shed. <laughs> he ditched his crystals and helped her out. Um, so uh, after, the, after this, after her second Nobel Prize, a delegation in Poland uh, of like Polish academics tried to convince her to return Poland to continue her research. And she was like, lol. <laughs> Nah. Well, nah. Nah, I'm good. Uh, instead, she got, like, the French government to, like, help pay for her her stuff in uh, France. Um, and uh, and instead, all she focused on her institute and a new street named Rue Pierre Curie, which I always thought, I thought it was funny. I was just in Paris, and there's a street sign that says, like, Rue Pierre Curie, and then right below it is a newer sign that says, Rue Pierre uh, et Marie Curie and it's funny because I know that like she got him the street which I think is kind of ironic since he died in a street um, but <laughs> every time I see a Rue I think of you yeah uh, you'll Rue the day you walked down that route <laughs> oh, no uh, but I know no. that I know that it's like she got him the street first. But it, when you look at it in Paris, it looks like they were like, "Oh, we should probably put Marie's name on here too." <laughs> this looks bad. This looks bad. Um, Where are we at now in her life? <laughs> we're at World War One. She's still alive. Yeah, she's still alive despite all of the radiation. Slowly dying of radiation. Um, uh, World War One. She saw a need for field radiological centers, so she develops like mobile radiography units. Um, uh, that became popularly known as Petite Curies. Uh, little, little Curies. Uh, she also produced hollow needles containing radon to be used to sterilize infected tissue. She didn't do much research during the war because most of the researchers were drafted into the French army. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she was busy with her ha- humanitarian efforts. After the war, she got uh, a government-established stipend and toured the United States to raise funds for her research on radium. Um, she was received at the White House. This was the Harding administration. Mm, yes. um, before the meeting, the French government realized, oh, she doesn't have anything that says, like, and she has no French official distinctions to, like, wear out in public and be, like, rep France because they it. never gave her one. Right. So they, like, hastily offer her the Legion of Honor Award, and she's like, nah. <laughs> I'm good, y'all. She's like, nah, I'm good. 
uh, the, led by Curie, the Radium Institute produced four more Nobel Prize winners, including her daughter Irene and her son-in-law Frederick, who met Irene because Marie hired him as like an assistant in the lab. Brain, brain, brain. Uh, just brains, just brains on brains on brains. Um, uh, in 1922, she became a member of the League of Nations newly created International Committee on Intellectual Cooperation. She wrote a bi- biography on her late husband. Um, she helped, and then she finally did help create Warsaw's Radium Institute. Um, Which was just a shed in the back of Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, she was like, you know what? I built mine up from a shed. You wouldn't let me build it here. Let's see you do the same. Uh, she went on another American tour. This was uh, Hoover's administration. Uh, she came home with a cool $50,000 cash uh, to reinvest in, in her research. And she was able to visit Poland one last time before her death on July 4th, 1934, from a plastic anemia believed to have been contracted from her lifelong, long-term exposure to radiation. (laughs) Who'd have thunk it? Uh, Yeah. She also has just, like, so many more honors and legacies that it would truly be another hour-long episode (laughs) for me. Like, I glossed over all of the schools she taught at and spoke at and all that jazz, but... Cool. Yep. So, uh, is that Marie Curie? That's Marie Curie. She did a lot of other stuff, but we'd seriously be here forever. Do you know what I love? I love that she's dedicated her life to radiology and learned, like, discovered, like, everything about it up to that point, very in depth, but she didn't know that you could get radiation poisoning. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. And she was clearly, like, the first person to study this. Well, yeah. She was also, also, like, regularly exposed to x-rays from unshielded equipment, like, during the war, like, basically driving around a little x-ray machine. Yeah. And her little little petit curies. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, just the fact that she did so much and she lived so long and, 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 you know, got around. Yeah. I'm sure there's even enough to come back and revisit for. We'll do Marie the Curie sequel. part two. Yeah. I'll take do, it to the streets. It'll literally just be her and Pierre because I think they're so cute. <laughs> You'll love stories. They're so cute. That would make a good musical. Yeah. I think that was. I, I remember hearing about this musical and I feel like that was what it Maybe was about. Maybe I'm making more. it up, but I feel like there was a play and I, I feel like it was a musical and I just remember being like, that's. It just seems really cool. I'm just picturing like a science number with like people dressed up as test tubes in the back dancing. It wouldn't be that. Or would it? Or could it? Well, that's fun. That's science, man. That's science, that's a, man. That's what my cat gave to the world. <laughs> Your cat does not have radiation poisoning, though. I don't know. You haven't smelled her pee. <laughs> Radioactive. <laughs> We're going to jump over. We're going to jump over to my scientist now. Science? Um, so my... I really wanted to do something like early, early, early science. So I found out about a little man named Avicenna, who was a uh, a Persian polymath um, circa 980. What is a polymath? So mean? a polymath is interested in all the maths. A polymath is someone Polyamorous. who is um, well-versed and knowledge on many subjects. Oh, okay. So they're, they don't have one focus. They have many areas of focus. Um, he was born Ibn Sina or Abu Ali Sina. Um, I think the his works were so widely known and stuff that everything was translated into Latin and Greek, so known as Avicenna. Um, he was born in a village in present-day Uzbekistan. Um, he was Persian, which is uh, the Persian Empire was primarily uh, originated in Iran, that's the area. Okay. And then it, it was huge and it spread all over. 
Um, but uh, he has been described as a father of early modern medicine. Oh. Um, he is regarded as one of the most significant physicians, astronomers, thinkers, and writers of the Islamic Golden Age. So Islamic Golden Age, um, we think of medieval times. Like we all, when we say medieval, we think of that era, which is very like dark ages. And, yeah. Mm, People aren't taking good care of themselves and hygiene and plague and stuff. That was the era era of the Islamic Golden Age, which you jump over to to Persia and all that stuff. That's when people were like, we're doing math and we're getting shit done. And in the West, they're like, I just fell in my own poop again. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You know know what? That tracks. Yeah. People like don't know about this. They don't talk about it. They like think medieval. They think everyone is existing like that when... Most of the scholars and, and, you know, explorers and travelers were going to Persia and those Middle Eastern countries because that was where the center of thought and science and all of this stuff was going on. Um, A few of his inventions. uh, Just a few. Just a few. Essential oil. Oh, man. My sinuses are so grateful. Well, steam distillation. Mm, My sinuses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Clinical trials. So he was he was testing. You know mm-hmm. he he probably didn't have a great lab either. Um, <laughs> pharmacopoeia, pharmaceuticals. Okay. Um, alternative cancer treatments. He developed the the concept of quarantine. So like when people got diseases, like hey, let's not have them hang out until we figure out how this is spreading. Yeah, and and that they were spreading. Like yeah. you got plague, I can get plague. Um, and clinical pharmacology. So he was uh, super into medicinal stuff. Like he was a scientist. He was a doctor. I wonder how he would feel about the current uh, just love of essential oil. Oh man! <laughs> about I wonder how he'd feel about everyone yeah. just being like. Well, I feel like essential oils are... now are considered very like hippy dippy and like mm-hmm. get into. But I mean, most of them all do have somewhat medicinal qualities. And back then, when you know. We're not, that was it. That was it. Like, yeah. they were doing good work with that. Um, his corpus, his uh, group of uh, works of writing um, were on astronomy, alchemy, geography, and geology, psychology. Is a corpus, is a corpus like a, a body like work. an academic opus? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like an oeuvre. Um, like Mr. Holland's corpus? Oh, that scene at the end makes me cry every time. Everyone, everyone! If you haven't watched Mr. Holland's opus, go watch it. Go watch it. Put the, pause this. Pause this podcast. Never mind. You don't have to tune in. You can just listen to no. Cass. We yeah. call it perfectly. Hey. Um, we don't have the rights for that. We don't have the rights for that. Oh, no. Mr. Holland, we're sorry. Um, but he wrote on uh, all those things: astronomy, alchemy, geography, geology, psychology, Islamic theology, logic, mathematics, physics, and he was a poet. That's what? a polymath right there. Yeah, that's and some not, right brain, left brain shit. And not dabbling. Like, he was a genius. Yeah, he didn't, like, have all these, like, fantastic math and science achievements yeah. and then just, like, doodle bad love, like, live journal yeah. poems. No, I actually have a snippet of one of his poems, which I was going to say for later, but I'll read now, um, which was uh, misappropriated to someone else. Um, Natch. But, like, this is from the depth of the black earth up to Saturn's apogee. All the problems of the universe have been solved by me. I have escaped from the coils of snares and deceits. I have unraveled all knots except the knot of death. Like, he's a little, like, it's, it's beautiful, but he's also like, yeah, I'm really good at stuff. It'll, I, it'll, yeah, it'll, I thought that was Lil Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> then also Loki's just sounded like either he's into bondage or into like magic tricks. No, he he said like I discovered everything. Like I'm really smart. Y'all know this shit. Yeah, but then me. he's like I untie all the knots. <laughs> yeah, unravel the universe. I really got fixated on the knots. Yeah, <laughs> don't kink shame me. I feel like I feel like that says more about you than him. <laughs> I'm really into magic shows. <laughs> Title of your sex tape. <laughs> um, what a boring sex tape. I'm really into magic shows. <laughs> um, yeah, his, his most noted contributions uh, were in the fields of Aristotelian philosophy, who like okay. Aristotle was his dude. He was obsessed with this guy. Um, Arist- Aristotelian philosophy and medicine. So Aristotle was... Oh, that says a hundred years, but I think he was he was um, around like a thousand years before. Yeah, um, Aristotle studied. Um, he basically it was a study of logic, the art of investigating and discussing discussing the truth of opinions. Mm-hmm. So you think about like rhetorical devices and yeah. all that stuff. That's all Aristotle. It's how do we argue and um, debate effectively and come to logical conclusions which is the basis of what we use for everything yeah um and so avicenna that was kind of the source of his polymathery like everything he was he touched like it had to do with logic and deducing and it was all um it they all had to do with each other was aristotle i think therefore i am or was no that was descartes that was way later. Cool, 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 yeah, 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 cool, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aristotle did. Uh, no, that was Plato. I was gonna say Plato's cave. Yeah, I was gonna say Clearly the cave Plato. is Plato. Yeah, Aristotle. He did some cool stuff. I always, I, I have a tendency now that I'm not constantly studying it in school because I spent a. Oh man, I'm so sorry, Mr. Galanis. I spent so much time studying like the this. The, the the Aristotle and Socrates and like that age of everything that I it. It is embarrassing that I often conflate they Socrates and Aristotle. Together, right? Well, especially because like Aristotle's whole bag is like basically teaching you how to form logic and like have mm-hmm. a logical uh, argument, uh, which you know we should just make sure that all of our aunts and uncles on Facebook uh, read some yeah. Aristotle. You, uh, <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving is in two weeks. Hey, Nana, here's a book for you. Yeah, casual Aristotle. Aristotle. But this isn't about him. Um, <laughs> So we'll just we'll just go through his 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 early childhood and stuff. He he wrote all these um, these books and these treatises. Uh, he had memorized the entire Quran by the age of ten. That's not a short book. Nope, and it's not easy either. No, it's dense. Um, uh, he his tutor he had a tutor. Um, back in these days, most education had to do with like it was a tutor yeah. pupil kind of thing Socrates Aristotle where they had these little 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 tutor circles. groups yeah, yeah. Um, he had a tutor that taught him basic logic and he soon surpassed him by the age of 14 he was like yeah I got it dude yeah um, and he went on and started studying the Hellenistic authors which is going to be your yeah, Plato's your Hippocrates your Aristotle's um, at age 16 he turned to medicine which he wrote an autobiographical account of his life he had a personal account of his life and that um, never happens for that time I know like he there's so much written about like so he had um where was it he he has over 450 works that he authored 250 are still around 150 of them were on philosophy 40 of them were on medicine like he has a huge body of work oh my god and he he i feel so unaccomplished and it was well documented <laughs> and he had this is 
his main people wrote about him as well yeah. and talked about the stuff that he did. Um, but so this was what he wrote about medicine when he started studying it when he was 16. Okay, here we go. He goes, medicine was no hard and thorny science like mathematics and metaphysics. So I soon made great progress. I became an excellent doctor and began to treat patients using approved remedies. Like I like casual. How I like how he's casually like, Medicine doesn't have as many rules as math. Well, I think play around with shit. He he started off doing like he was studying logic and he was studying these philosophers. And that is so broad and abstract and you can break it down and you can have it's subjective to a certain extent. Whereas medicine essentially is like you're sick or you're not. We can help you or we can't. This works. This doesn't. I mean, it's a little more nuanced than that. But compared to all the stuff he's doing, this seems pretty like dry. Um uh, by by eighteen, uh, he was a he had the status of a fully qualified physician. My God, what yeah. were you doing by eighteen? Wrecking your knees. Yeah, my <laughs> knees are destroyed. Um, uh, and so he became this this like wandering physician. He would go around and he would help people, and he would do it for free a lot of the time. Um, he he said you know, he was very religious. He studied Islamic theology and all that stuff, and every time he would like. Um, when he first started studying Aristotle, he's like, I can't wrap my head around this. Um, and so he started consulting all of these other texts because it was like eating him up. He's like, there's, there's just something I can't quite grasp or whatever. Keep in mind, he's 14. Um, and, and there's this... Uh, it's, there's a, this it's your hormones, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's this passage uh, where he, he says, you know, he found this, um, this other whatever. Oh, here it is. As a teenager, he was greatly troubled by the metaphysics of Aristotle, which he could not understand until he read Al-Farabi's commentary on the work. Um, And then for the next year and a half, he studied. And then, what was it? Um, Until one day, he found illumination from a little commentary by Farabi, which he bought at a bookstall for a small sum of three dirhams. So great was his joy at the discovery made with the help of work, which he had expected only mystery that he hastened to return thanks to god and bestowed alms on the poor he was so excited that he finally like acquired this knowledge that he gave thanks to god and started giving money away like it was very it was very like um it's very uh ebenezer scrooge very ebenezer scrooge he was it, he was so dead it was it was so integral to him and his faith and all of this stuff. yeah like this he finally was, cracked it this was what like drove him just like knowledge um uh, yeah, so he so he became this wandering physician at 18, and his fame spread very quickly. Um, he didn't ask for payment. Uh, the Sultan of Bukhara, which was a, a town in modern-day um, Uzbekistan, um, became very ill, and none of the physicians could figure out what was wrong with him. Um, they couldn't heal him. Uh, Avicenna was like, yo, dude, what's up? And he healed him. Uh, he cured him with science and medicine. And so the Sultan uh, opened his royal libraries to him. What? Yeah, which, I mean... He, like uh, the beast in Bell's Lane. Exactly. <laughs> Everything the light touches is yours. That's the wrong one. There's actually a song they sang together. I'm going to sing it. Um, it's by Alan Menken. No. <laughs> Another musical. Was he not allowed in the West Wing? <laughs> you must never go there. That's Lion King. Um, you're doing Lion King voices, but you're quoting Beauty and the Beast. Everything connects. Um, They're all the same. But but so up until now he's he's essentially he's learning all of this on his own. He has limited resources to texts and knowledge. Um, a lot of uh, 
in this golden age of science and knowledge uh, at the time, a lot of it was based on patronage. You know, you find a wealthy patron um, and they would... And he found a sultan. He found a goddamn sultan. Um, but, and this happened, you know, later in, in other years and stuff, it's having this culture and the science and this knowledge of everything reflected well on the civilization. So they're like, yeah, we want to have the smartest guys. Yeah, I'm going to let you use my library and all this stuff because it makes us look good. Yeah, so much more proactive in that regard than Poland was in my whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mathematicians are badasses. You know, it's like, oh, it makes us look good. Go do math. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So they call it math rock. Do they call it that? There's a, there's, a, there's a subgenre of music called math rock. Oh, wow. We're going to have to touch on that later. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. So now he had resources and he had time. So he, he didn't have to wander around and help people to get money or whatever. He, so he spent like a year or two in this just studying. And he ended up having his own little like study groups um, where he would teach other pupils. So this, uh, this Ooh, is kind of funny. Scholar's Court. I feel like every great library back then burnt down. Like Alexandria. Poof, yeah. Bye. Um, we weren't allowed to have books after a certain point in history because yeah. we couldn't not set them on fire. It's so seemed. flammable, you know? Who knew? That vellum. Um, so apparently the, the library, the Royal Library he was studying at was um, destroyed by a fire not long after he was started studying there and everything. And uh, the enemies of Ibn Sina accused him of burning it in order <gasps> for... Uh, in order forever to conceal the sources of his knowledge but he wouldn't do that he loved books i know but so it it was like this it was greece it was like these kind of gang wars it's like well oh i'm really smart and like it i have this knowledge and you know there were rivalries between scholars it was very hamilton oh my god yeah he had a prolific writing career at age 21 oh yeah all that was before age 21 natch and he went on to write 450 works all that stuff that was how, okay. So, how I'll, long did he live? Like, so that was 21. He so was like he, a doctor at like 14. Like, he that was born. We're going to test Doogie our math. Doogie Hauser. He was, uh, he was born circa 980 and he died in June of 1037. I, I thought it was weird that they have like a random, you know, 980 and then June. Um, he died during the holy month of Ramadan, okay. which was um, significant uh, since he was a, a Muslim scholar. My notes are so scattered, so this is a This little... is my fault. I printed them in a way to conserve paper, and no, Cass no, no, insisted no. on I, folding them. I did not organize <laughs> them well. Yeah. This little, here we go. Well, okay. I'm going to So here, are, some of his noted works are... Um, so many booksies. Were you just going to go through his books, uh, Yeah, but, I mean, they're kind of important. Um, he wrote... Because I got a few of them right here. Yeah, it was, it was the Book of Healing, or the... Yeah, hit, hit him with them, them beats. Uh, you got... Uh, the Book of Healing, the Canon of Medicine, Ooh. which we all know is canon. Yeah. Uh, the Metaphysics of Healing. So he was like a level, like a level twenty healer. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Um, he. And his charisma modifier was off the charts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he composed the Book of Healing, which was um, <laughs> the Book of Healing or Book of the Cure was not actually about medicine. It was. Philosoph- it was about the band of the Cure. <laughs> Yeah, he was a huge fan. He it was it was a philosophical and scientific encyclopedia. Didn't deal with medicine. It was intended to cure or heal ignorance of the soul. What? So this, this was, was a book basically be like yeah. you dumb, stop being dumb. And this was his whole like uh, obsession with logic and Aristotle this and all that stuff. This is the first stuff. four dummies book. Yeah. Uh, 
And then he wrote, and then before this though, he wrote the Canon of Medicine, which is a five-part volume on medicine used as a standard medical textbook in the Islamic world and Europe up to the 18th century. So he was born in 980, and through the 1700s, this People was still referencing the text to do. Um, do you think they checked on this book every time they were like, maybe there's a way to do this without leeches? Let's go back to that old book. <laughs> casually working away yeah. from the leeches. And then casually always working their way back to the leeches. Yep, yep. Oh, no, guys, I really think we got I really think we get a leeches. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, his, uh, we, you know, we think about these uh, scholars and, and stuff that we kind of ignore and don't really, it's not. We barely touch on like the ones that everybody knows, yeah. I feel like. And, and I mean, case in point, I mixed up Descartes and Aristotle. You think, therefore, something. Um, but, but, but he was very widely known um, as early as 13th century. Dante Alighieri, the author of the uh, Dante's Inferno. Um, he depicted him in Limbo, which is in his second book, Purgatorio, I believe. Um, yeah. uh, alongside the virtuous non-Christian thinkers. Like, hey, man, you're not a Christian, so we'll throw you in Limbo. But, but he was alongside... Yeah. Um, we for, could we could throw you in hell, but like, yeah. The only reason you're not you in wrote some paradisios because you're super smart. Um, but alongside of like Homer, Horace, Ovid, Lucian, Socrates, Plato, Saladin, all of like he was so highly regarded that he made it in this 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 work. Um, he's been, he was recognized in the East and the West um, as one of the great figures in intellectual history. Uh, in as George Sarton, who was in like late 1800s, early 1900s, um, described him as one of the greatest thinkers and medical scholars in history, the most famous scientist of Islam um, of all races, places, and times. He was uh, ranked with Hippocrates, who is, you know, we think of the Hippocratic Oath, like he's the medicine guy. Yeah. Um, and Galen is one of acknowledged authorities, princeps medicorum, or prince of physicians. Dude was damn royalty. Um, he's a national icon in Iran, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan, and um, often regarded as one of the greatest Persians, as is said here. Um, and is yeah. Prince of Persia about him? Yep, and they whitewashed it with uh, goddamn with, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Thanks, guys. Um, he created a scientific vocabulary, like what we build all foundations of science on, logic, the words we use, how yeah. we describe it. Is It was this guy. He's the father of modern science. He wrote <laughs> nine chapters called On the Science of the Pulse. It's just nine chapters on the pulse. What? Like, dude dude did the damn, damn thing. He fell ill and he cured himself, but one of his... Yeah, this is how he died. So he fell ill... Um, he cured himself, and then when he was having one of his students administer the dosages, they they screwed up the dosage, which made, as he was healing, it made an ulcer pop up or whatever. Um, and then as he was continuing to heal himself... That student got an F. Yep, did not get a gold medal <laughs> the there. No gold medal. But then one of his servants poisoned him. Lump of him coal. As he was, so like, he was like well on his way to, to healing, and then student fucked it up, and then one of his servants poisoned him. It's, it's that gang war thing. You know, it's like... Oh, those scientists over there are so cool. Servant, servants like he's stolen all of the knowledge. This, this guy was so cool. And, and um, a lot of this uh, coming together of, think, of uh, minds and thinkers and all these things, it was about you know, the sciences and across, uh, what's the word, when it's a multiple um, different subjects, 
diverse cross uh, oh cross discipline cross disciplinary study um a lot of it was translation too like that's how a lot of these people made money was uh translating and transcribing all these things and it was done in all these different languages which was why it was able to spread and um this dude's just fucking cool yeah there's just so much that this guy touched and this guy did and he's really fucking cool and i love this era of um the the the, the Persian Golden Age, the Enlightenment yeah. era of that time. There's so much going on um, scientifically and stuff that we don't talk about because we go, we talk about the Crusades. Yeah. The only well, time. Yeah, we're so focused on like what all, what all the white folks are doing. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Europe, you spent literally 200 years looking for a cup while these guys are, <laughs> are creating the number zero. Like we're yeah. creating all of these foundational things, so much thinking and, and discovery and inventions and stuff that we use today but like cool we'll make a movie about your cup monty python made a great movie about that cup. i will give them that <laughs> it's good monty cup, python good cup film sit cup sit cup it's a cup classic that's, that's avicenna those are our scientists this is i'm nerding out and i'm i'm gonna go uh study more about this because you don't even like science i i don't like i mean i respect that it is cool i don't like it because i don't understand it but i love the history of it okay and i i studied british literature in in college and i'm like cool let's just like read the poems and stuff i had this great professor um dr wiegand who she was a cross disciplinarian and she studied just victorian british poetry of this like very brief era and science like like all science and how it affected the poetry and how everything you know the scientific achievements at the time and it's that's what made me really appreciate how all of these things touch each other and then how they affect each other. That's my, my nerding. And I just text with my high school science teachers. I love how you're always like, Hey, like apologizing to your teachers in this. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's going to be so many apologies. Well, cause, because for me, for like, whenever we're talking about uh, like ancient medieval or uh, like golden age of the Mediterranean, I studied with the same couple of teachers like who are mm. super passionate about that that section of history uh and I also like loved it and spent so much time studying it and still have like my notes from I was at my parents house and I found a box in the basement that has like all of my old history notebooks I'll have to you know what I was going to throw them out I will bring them because do. because they will they will prove 100% useful for me during like during my homework for yeah. for these episodes uh, so it just it's just out of guilt that I'm like I spent so much time in your class, Mr. Galanis. I, I should know this. I was obsessed with like the Greek and Roman mythology and stuff mm-hmm. growing up when I was really little, and then I became obsessed with like the Crusades and everything. I saw Camelot with Vanessa Redgrave and uh, Richard Harris at a Ugh. very young age. Became obsessed with the Crusades and stuff, and then I remember reading this book by Louis L'Amour called The Walking Drum, which was based on this crusader or whatever but it spent the whole time talking about his time in this you know enlightenment era and how he was uh learning all these things and all of these like geniuses at the time and they don't really talk about the like the crusade aspect of it it's still very like from the white man's perspective but that was when i first i was in like fourth fifth grade and i was like oh all this cool shit was going on i want to learn more about this 
So I'm going to go home and read more stuff. I, I always love whenever there's like, I love history in context. Like, so I, like, I love be knowing that this golden age of, this golden age of Persia was going on while everyone else was like falling through muck and hunting for a cup and like knowing, knowing how much time we spent on medieval, mm-hmm. uh, like on, like on what we consider like the dark ages and medieval times and whatnot. And like, pl- Putting that ne- like basically as a next door neighbor to like the stories that you just told yeah. is that always fascinates me. Yeah, as opposed to just being like, "There's this guy, he did this yeah. thing," and then well, and and it just goes to show how how impressive it was that like everything's connected, everything touches. Like shit was dark over there, shit was bright over here. Yeah, and light and man. yeah. Don't <laughs> shut up, Cass. <laughs> that was that was fun though. Clearly, I'm very excited about this this episode, these topics. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm a little slap happy too. This has been fun. This has been science. Science. I uh, I love that again. We chose like we both chose like completely different like time time era people. Um. Yeah. If you follow us along, you can find us on. We're we'll definitely post a bunch of pictures and shit from like visual oh my god i'm dying <laughs> someone give me a book of healing uh, uh well if you want to see what this this uh radioactive book that i was talking about uh was or pictures of our topics for today etc uh the picture of marie curie of rue marie a pierre curie as like an afterthought i will find that photo for my trip uh you can find those if you follow us uh on the Instagram at shared pod and it's the same on the Twitter. Shared pod, if you want to email us, you can email us at yeah. shared history podcast at gmail.com. Please send us topics that you want us to cover. Yep. Um questions you got. Um we welcome all questions, corrections, and suggestions. <laughs> yes, because again, as we said, we are not historians. We are not um, but we just want to talk about stuff that we think are interesting. Yep. And we want to talk about what you think is interesting. So thank you for sharing this history with us. Go forth and share, share it, it yourself. yourself. <laughs>